Hopefully, as you are worshiping throughout the week, you come with repaired heart of worship on Sunday mornings. And back and forth as God works in our lives. Now, particularly as we think about Sunday mornings and the kinds of things that happen as we gather, found a few slides for things to think about. This guy shows up, don't let him join the worship team. Mr. Bean, I only joined the worship team to avoid the greet those around you time. And then sometimes there's that song, you've just been waiting for the worship team to play. And this is kind of a little picture of uh, just how excellent that is when the worship team plays your favorite song. Now, I shouldn't say this, but it looks a little bit like Nancy Pelosi at the State of the Union address. But, uh, sorry, no political comment there. Uh, it's just what I thought. Uh, now, this is, all of us have had this experience, that awkward moment when you start singing before the worship team does. You're just thinking, that's the downbeat, right, right, right? Been there, done that. Yep. And then this is what happens back in the tech booth at that moment during worship when the lyrics don't change. <laughs> Keep pushing the buttons. This happens. So just a few things to think about. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 to begin with. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 begins, it tells us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. This part of the word of God tells us we richly dwell in God's word. And that leads us to worship in truth. Richly dwelling in God's word leads us to worship in truth. Now the word of Christ refers to all the Bible... Not just the parts written in red, but all the Bible. And you might remember back when I taught on how we grow through the Word of God that we use the hand illustration and that we enter into God's Word through things like reading God's Word, memorizing God's Word, meditating on God's Word, studying God's Word, and hearing God's Word. All five fingers. And so we also remember that what I talked about was the fact that when we grasp God's word, the thumb stands for meditating on God's word. That's what holds everything together. That meditation helps us to enter into application. And so the word of Christ we're dwelling in it, or another way to think of that word dwell is to be at home. Is God's word at home in our lives? Richly dwelling, taking up residence within us. Mark Twain said this, he said, Most people are bothered by those passages of Scripture which they cannot understand, but as for me, I've always noticed that the passages in Scripture which trouble me most are those which I do understand. And so it's one thing to read God's word. It's another thing to take God's word and let it richly dwell in our lives. 
doesn't just teach us about forgiveness. It teaches us that we are to forgive. It doesn't just teach us about the peace that Christ brings to our lives. It helps us to enter into that peace. God's word is given to us to richly dwell, to yield richly in our lives, to be applied in our lives. And in regard to worship, in worship we enter into truth. Jesus told the woman at the well, and I'll be preaching in a few weeks more in depth about the woman at the well, but the concluding, one of the statements that he made to her after interacting with her for quite a while, he says, true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. That's in John chapter 4, verse 24. He says, God is spirit. His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So we're asking the question, when we worship, are we worshiping in truth? Music. What about music? The end of this verse in Colossians tells us a little bit about music. Music helps us worship God. As you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God, here's a command to enter into worship through truth and then through singing that leads us to a place of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude. Now what I want you to note here is that music is the avenue to worship, not an end in itself. We're not worshiping an experience we have. We're not worshiping a certain style of music. We like all different kinds of music. Some of us like country twang. And others of us like urban hip-hop. And everything in between. And some of us don't like one or the other. And so God gives us all different kinds of music because God's a creative, infinite God who's multi-creative, and we can come to him and worship through lots of different styles of music. The style of music is not the issue. We can worship with God with everything from Bach to rock and everything in between and beyond. Style of music is not the issue. We all have preferences. And even things like sometimes in these days... Sometimes we have a little more latitude as far as musical style, but sometimes in churches there's the volume of the music issue, there's lights on, up, down kinds of issues, and we all have preferences, I have preferences, and even logical arguments on some of those kinds of things. But in the end, those kinds of issues are secondary kinds of issues. What God wants us to do is to enter into worship and with our music enter into truth and enter into gratitude for who he is, for what he's done in our lives from the inside out. The real question is whether or not our worship points to Jesus, whether our music points to Jesus. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Colossians 3.16 tells us that we enter into worship as we enter into truth. From the inside out. Now here's the problem. Most of us stop right here. Many of us stop right here. 
We think of corporate worship, we think of singing, and that's kind of where we begin and end in terms of worship. Whereas worship involves all of life. Certainly involves the time that we have together here in what we call church or worship or community together, but it goes beyond that as well. So we're going to talk a little bit about personal worship, most of the rest of the message. Worship is all of who we are worshiping all of who God is. Now, I get that definition from Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, but there's many places in Scripture that we can get it from. I also get it from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, we know as the great commandment, Jesus says there's two greatest commandments. He said the first one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. The second one, he says, is like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. Now this comes all the way from the Old Testament in Leviticus. And it's a truth throughout scripture that the way we live our lives, the way we love God is true. Loving him, the way we love people is through loving them. And the way we serve people, the way we serve God, the way we worship God is through loving him and loving people. This is this is worship, to love God, to serve God with our head, with our heart, with our hands. Love God, he says, with our minds, with our heart, with our soul, with the way we serve. Love God with all of who we are, what we think, what we feel, what we do. Romans 12:1 puts it this way. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So likewise, similar to Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, this time it says, therefore, when you have a therefore, you ask, what is therefore? And the therefore looks back all the way to, back to Romans chapter 1 on through chapter 11, and in a sense, it's the way all the way back through the Old Testament, in view of the mercy of God poured out upon us, in view of the fact that Jesus went to the cross, he bled and died for you, for your sins, in view of this reality, in view of his love for you on that cross, in view of his forgiveness of the peace that he brings and offers to you, of his grace that he gives to you, in view of this great love of God, therefore, he says, I urge you in view of God's mercy. We can see it, he says. We can see what God's done. We can sense it. We can feel it. We can know it. He says, in view of this, in awareness of this, in that moving us from the inside out, he says, therefore, I urge you in view of this to Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So we offer our bodies, all of who we are, to all of who he is. Maybe you think, why would he want my body? Got B.O. Sometimes got bad breath. Sometimes it thinks bad thoughts. Why would he want my body? What he's saying is that he wants all of who you are. And you know the cool thing? He accepts you as you are. That's good news. 
Good news for sinners who need God's grace, need his mercy, need his forgiveness, need his peace. He says the door is wide open. Offer yourself. Offer your body, he says. Come to me, all you're weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your soul. Romans, back to Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, your whole body, head, heart, and hands. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. What's a living sacrifice? Well, that goes back to the Old Testament. And you remember that the Jewish people throughout the Old Testament, that they came, they brought lambs, they brought animals, and this was a part of their worship. And now in a spiritual way, the Word of God says to offer ourselves to Him. And this is our sacrifice, to offer ourselves to Him on a daily basis. Get up in the morning and then say, God... Here's my head, what I'm going to think about today. Here's my emotions. My emotions are going a thousand miles an hour and they're going off in different directions today because I'm anxious about what's going to happen at work. I'm anxious about that relationship I have with this person and our emotions are going wacky. And then maybe things are going on and we say, God, here I am. You know just the way things are. I'm available to you. Therefore, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. It's a holy thing. That is, we're set apart. And the cool thing is, it's pleasing to God. I mean, isn't that amazing? That when we come just as we are, again, we don't have to work our ways up. We just say, God, here I am on this day. It's pleasing to God is what this scripture says. God's pleased with you. It's the same word that is used when Jesus is when it's said about Jesus. This is my son. With him I am well pleased. He's pleased with you and me when we come to him just as we are. Then it says this is your spiritual act of worship. And old King James, if any of you have that, says it's your reasonable act of service. And that word reasonable is from a Greek word, logikos, that's used there. In other words, it's the logical thing to do. To worship God with all of who we are, it's the reasonable thing to do. It's the logical thing. That's the outcome of the great mercy of God poured about upon us. It's the logical thing to respond to him with all of who we are. Why would we not do that? That's personal worship. True worship is offering ourselves to God. And what God wants is for us to come to him as a living sacrifice. And so I have some important questions to ask you. The first question is, do I make, make my entire self available to God? Am I, am I doing that? Or am I just kind of offering a part of myself to Him, but keeping other things in my life 
separate from him. Kind of related to that, my only offering a part of myself to God. So, for example, I can offer my thinking to God and say, yeah, I'm reading my Bible, I'm reading Christian books, I'm trying to think, write thoughts about God. But then, what about that anger that's going on inside of me? I bring that to God. Am I processing that with God, or am I just kind of keeping that over here, you know? Uh, thinking, uh, it, it's okay to be bitter about this situation, about this person. Am I willing to bring that emotion to God and let Him work that out, work it through? Or likewise, am I willing to offer my hands, my service to God? For me, this gets to be a challenge occasionally, like I'm gone, typing, working on something at the computer, and then occasionally we have folks that come in and they want $30 here, $30 there, and sometimes we're able to help them, and sometimes we can't, and sometimes I feel like I've had this conversation 10 times, and we have helped, and I want to continue to be a help, but I also want to help you to respond to God and who He is. And I think one guy I've had some of the most direct conversations I've ever had with anybody, just telling him about God and how he needs to repent, and yet he just keeps coming in just wanting cash all the time. I don't give him cash, um, but... Anyway, what I'm saying is that my tendency to say, well, right now, um, and sometimes I am, and it is a priority to get things done, but sometimes I've got to just sort that out and ask myself, hmm, what do you have for me today, God? And to allow some of those intrusions to be times that I say, God, today, this hour, this is what you want me to do. Where you want me to go, the conversation you want me to have. And we could give lots of examples like that and situations like that and beyond. And we, I know, I know, we all want to be available people. We want to love in the way that Jesus loves. We want to serve in the way that Jesus serves. And all I'm saying is let's come before God and just sort it out and work it out. And that's the kind of thing that God's asking us. Now we're going to go one level deeper. If you have your Bible, open up to Psalm 63 as we think about this issue of personal worship. And we're going to watch how David responded in a difficult situation. And then ask ourselves and pray, God help me to do likewise. Psalm 63, it says, a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary, beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. 
Singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They'll be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Just a little sideline in regard to worship. There are different bands that play music that's straight out of Scripture, and you can find those if you hunt around a little bit. may or may not be your style of music, but you can find that. That's a good way to worship and get into God's Word. And so... Another way to do uh, personal worship is to just read out loud down your basement, your living room, and just use God's Word as a way to come and worship or to pray to Him. Those are great ways to begin to enter into worship. So let's begin back in verse 1. It talks about David and how he's out in the desert. We don't know exactly why he's out in the desert. A lot of people believe, and I would agree, that maybe it's when he was being pursued by his son Absalom. Absalom had rebelled against David and was coming against him with armed forces. And David perhaps is out in the desert as he's being pursued by his son. You think of the rejection that he's feeling. Think about the loneliness that he's experiencing, the turmoil. And some of us maybe have had family turmoil at times and all the various feelings that go through our hearts during those difficult times. These are the kind of things that David was going through, obscure, separated from comfort and friends, probably hungry and thirsty and pained. But in the midst of this, David, he says, our greatest need is to thirst for our relationship with God. Our greatest need is to hunger. Hunger to worship God in the midst of those difficult situations we occasionally find ourselves in. He expresses, first of all, this need for genuine, authentic worship in terms of thirst. Now we have lots of different kinds of thirst. Of course, we have physical thirst. But we have emotional thirst. We have thirst for affirmation, thirst for acceptance, thirst for living significantly, thirst for forgiveness at times, thirst for peace. All these things are going on within us. And he expresses the reality of those spiritual, emotional, and relational thirsts in terms of this physical picture, this desert experience he goes through. A lot of people in our world and us as well experience these various kinds of thirst. Mick Jagger, the Rolling Stones, many years ago made this very, very familiar when he said, I can't get no satisfaction. A lot of people around the world saying, I can't get no satisfaction. St. Augustine, pretty big rock star himself, he truthfully spoke. He said, our hearts are restless until we find our rest in God. Then later another Bible author said there's a God-shaped hole within every one of us. 
It's a hole that's so big that only God himself can fill this hole. We, many of us, know this and have experienced the reality of God coming and filling that empty place within us. And if you never have, then that's God's invitation to you today to say, God, come in and fill me that I may know. I may know that my thirst is satiated. We try to convince ourselves, if only my situation was different. If only I had this job, rather than the job I'm stuck in. If only I had this marriage. If only I had this kind of child. If only I had these kinds of abilities, well, then my life would be so much different. We try to quench that thirst. Try to quench it through involvement in activities, whatever activities are out there to be involved in, whether it's sports activities, whether those are club activities, whether those are hobbies, whether those are various kinds of activities that we just use to fill our lives. Some people even use church as an activity whether, rather than coming and authentically responding to God. We thirst we thirst for genuine, authentic, real relationship with God, and God offers it to us. It's good to be thirsty. Good to be thirsty for God, for who He is, for relationship with Him. Let's just fill our thirst with the one who can fill us. Only He can do that. David says it's like being out in a desert. Have you ever been in that desert time, that dry time in your life? I have. You have. We all have occasionally. He says, recognize that need we have is a need for him. Now, we could go on and go quite in depth on this psalm. We're just going to touch on mainly verses 2 through 5. In verses 6 through 11, he tells us, and in verse 2, he tells us, whatever our situation through worship, we can experience God. You find, in, if you look further down in verse 6, he talks a little bit about the middle of the night and those wake-up middle-of-the-night times, he says, can become worship times. In verses 7 through 11, he talks about this pursuit of the one who is an enemy against him and in those conflicting times, those times where there's a lot of conflict going on, he says we can even turn those into a worship time. And so verse 2, we'll look at the more summary kind of statement there where he says, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Some versions have, because I've seen you in the sanctuary, the Net Bible has, yes, I've seen you. NIV doesn't put either one of those in. 
But the word is there, and the idea is, yes, 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 I have seen you. Recalling, remembering the times when he would be together with others who love God, worshiping. What's a sanctuary? Sanctuary is a place of safety set apart for our relationship with God. We can call this auditorium a sanctuary, or I usually call it a worship auditorium. The point is that there are those sanctuary times and sanctuary experiences, and it doesn't have to be dependent on a place. He's in the desert. He's by himself, all alone. He's got rocky crags all around him. Just rocks and crushed limestone, and not much else going on. Maybe a few lizards, but not much going on. And he says, I've taken this dry place, and it's a sanctuary. It's a place to meet with God. We can meet with God anywhere, anytime, can't we? You're laid out sick on your bed. Time to meet with God. You're sitting in a study hall at school, bored. Time to meet with God. You're in the workplace trying to work through difficult problems, trying to come up with answers. Pause. God, help me. Help me, sir. You know all about this. You're in a relationship that's strained, that's causing lots of anxiety. God, help me to find my peace, my rest in you. I'm going to worship you in this dry situation, this tough situation. Sanctuary is anywhere we are. If we set it, up, set it apart for God and for God to work. And so, in this way, God satisfies our hearts. He expands on this in verses 3 through 5 when he talks about your love is better than life itself. In other words, I could die right here. But your love for me, that is better than anything. I'll glorify you. I'll praise you. My soul be satisfied. He switches over now from thirst to hunger. He says, like the richest of foods, you satisfy me. My singing lips will praise you. You ever try to eat artificial plastic fruit? No. Why not? Because it's not going to fill you up. But think of your favorite food. Like for me, it's when we can get the berries out of our little berry patch that we have. And I can have those with ice cream or yogurt or on cereal. It's just so good. When I'm worshiping God, when it's really happening, whether it's here on Sunday mornings or whether it's at home, it's just so good. Just filling of the Holy Spirit, God's work. So much better than anything else that we can do. Problem is, we don't worship very well on a daily basis. We get distracted. 
by that TV, we get distracted by video games, we get distracted by our to-do list. I know, we all, we all have to-do lists and we have priorities. But in the midst of all those things, God says find a way. Find a way and a way to know his presence, his power, his glory, to worship right in the middle of all that stuff that feels like it's getting in the way. And then Sunday mornings, you know what happens is that we feel like we're embarrassed that somebody might hear us singing or we just think, or we don't think maybe, we just come and we think, oh, they're doing such a great job up front. What does it matter what I do? But God says he wants worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. And you have the opportunity to do that every week. That what our worship team does is help us to come to the throne of God, but we're all worshipers, whether it's Sunday or Monday or Wednesday. We all worship someone or something. It's just a question of who or what we worship. Become a worshiper. Become a worshiper. Don't be passive on Sunday mornings. Don't be passive on Monday mornings. And we have tough situations at times. We have desert situations. In the midst of the desert, David, instead of staying in the wilderness, he came to worship. And we can do the same. So my question this morning, more questions. Number one, are you seeking God? Regardless of your circumstances, are you seeking God in the midst of your circumstances instead of only seeing the circumstances? Are you seeking God? Are you seeing God's power and glory to come through? Are you praying, God, help me to see your work in this situation? Are you meditating? on God throughout your day. Meditating means reflecting, thinking about how God's involved in this situation, calling upon Him, whatever the result is. Are you resting in God's protection? He's the one who can protect us best and the most. Are you resting in Him? David turned his wilderness experience into a worship experience, and you can. We can do the same. We can. Sometimes maybe we need to phone a friend. That's all right. That's all right. But we can enter into a worship experience and not just be stuck in our circumstances. If our heart's open, if we're hungry, we're thirsty. Lord, help us. We all have many challenges, and life is hard, and we live in a fallen world, and yet it's a world where your presence, your reality is greater. 
And even in the midst of the darkness, your light shines. And so help us to find that light in the darkness. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Minds to understand that no matter what, your presence, your power, your glory is greater and can transcend feelings which pass, thoughts that attack us, situations that challenge us. Help us, I pray, be worshipers in spirit and in truth. For the glory of God, for our good, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.